to Jurassic Park. We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. The most phenomenal discovery of our time. How'd you do this? Becomes the greatest adventure of all time. Sure. Universal Pictures presents. You feel that? Hold on to your butts. A Steven Spielberg film. Senses are failing all over the park. Yeah, that's nice. Gotta go. An adventure. Look out! Down! I can't get Jurassic Park back online. 65 million years in the making. Jurassic Park. It's got CD-ROM. Welcome back to the Essential Films Podcast, a podcast devoted to the discussion of the greatest movies ever made or the essential films. I'm Adolfo Acosta, and I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Mark Espinosa. Uh, it is December as we're recording this. Uh, it's Christmas season, so Merry Christmas. Mark, how you doing? Um, pretty good, Adolfo. Merry Christmas to you as well. Uh, how's everything on your end? Um, all right, all right. Uh, today was my last day of work. Uh, and I, I think you just told me that yours is, it was your last day of work yeah, uh, for a while, too. Um, so now I'm kind of getting into the holiday spirit a little more and, and starting to enjoy myself. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been, a, it's been a pretty good couple of days. Saw Spider-Man last uh, Friday. was pretty happy with that. Um, I think you saw it as well. Yeah, I caught one of the uh, Thursday night opening showings. And, uh, yeah, I was, I think to say that I was happy with it is a little bit of an understatement, but so, but I had a good time. So let's just leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, I think almost universally it's been, it's been liked by both, uh, critics and fans. So, and it's made a boatload of money. So everyone seems to be happy, um, with it. So. Uh, just a quick recommendation out there. If you like the Spider-Man movies, go before you have anything ruined for you because spoilers are already out there. Um, so, yeah, it was a fun movie. Uh, any other movie-going experiences uh, at the Alamo that you may have had? Uh, you know what? Not not particularly. I did... Uh, th- this one was kind of just off. It was one of those things where I, was, I left work early and I was like, you know what? I don't want to go home. I want to kind of i'm out might as well just stay out so i went to the lower manhattan one which is the new one uh i only been there like once before when it opened uh, a few months back when i went to see the french dispatch there which i that's another one that i actually did like i really like that one um but i went to see uh don't look up which is coming it should be on netflix i think as tomorrow or in a couple days it'll be up on netflix it's the new adam mckay one and actually that one was pretty good. Uh, he's done better movies. I think I think I still love The Big Short is like probably my favorite of his. But Don't Look Up was 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 pretty good. Um, so if you have a chance to watch it this week, I would watch it. It's uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I've been looking. 
I've been looking. I don't even know what it's about. I just know it's a pretty star-studded cast. It's on Netflix, Anna McCabe. I don't know any literally anything about it. So I'm kind of excited to go into it like blind like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I. It's been pretty much uh, pretty quiet for me here as far as movies go. I've just been watching some old Christmas movies, and uh, other than Spider-Man, that's pretty much been it. I haven't really been watching anything in the theaters. Um, but uh, yeah pretty pretty calm here um so as we kind of teased at the beginning there um our episode today is going to be on uh jurassic park um one of probably the biggest movies of all time um probably a movie that a lot of you are familiar with but uh, i want to know how you uh first experienced jurassic park again this is one of those situations where i I saw it at the movies when it first came out, but I don't remember anything of it because I was like five years old. So, and I have proof that was it because I remember like there's there, we used to have a photo album. Not we used to. We do have a photo album somewhere that's now buried under like boxes of other stuff in the attic. But um, when it first came out that summer, uh, what was it like ninety three? I think I was like five years old and. We uh we went to see it, and I mean, there's this theater which still exists because it's it's one of those. I don't know how how common this is now, where you have like movie theaters embedded into like a shopping mall. I think those are kind of going off by the wayside. But yeah, I grew up with one of those. Yeah, there's a uh, one that still exists in uh, Jersey City. It's a uh, Newport Mall, which so used to be. Do you remember um? You know, this, this takes me back. Do you remember Cineplex Odeon? Remember those at Chain of Theaters? Or not so much? Uh, I don't believe I, I lived near one, no. Uh, we'll, we'll look that up because that they were pretty prominent during the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And then uh, Lowe's started taking over them. And then AMC took over Lowe's. So it was, uh, so you know, you know how that goes. But anyway, now that mall still exists. The theater still exists, but now it's an AMC. And that's where we used to go all the time. They used to be our main mall. You know, like, you know, everybody has like their quote unquote main mall. And that's what we always used to go to uh, until they decided to be uh, greedy and charge for parking. So after that, we started, we picked another mall, which is the one it's called Willowbrook that's in Wayne, New Jersey. And that's now our mall <laughs> ever since that happened. But, you know, once in a while, I like to go back to Newport, just, you know, Whenever like this, like I'm Christmas shopping or like, you know, just when I'm in the mood to kind of, you know, walk around a big mall like that or go to the movies. Sometimes I'll just go just, you know, to catch a showtime at, a, at a, one of the AMCs. And so anyway, 93, that was our main mall. There's the movie theater there. Of course, we saw like Batman Returns. I saw there. I saw Jurassic Park there. I saw Home Alone 2 there. So I still have fond memories of, you know when I was little going to the movies over there. There was all that's we also saw Lethal Weapon 3 there, Signs of the Lambs. Like I think I talked I told that story in Signs of the Lambs episode where I was taken to it even though I was pretty much made to take a nap while my mother watched the movie. <laughs> but uh but I know Jurassic Park I was there, don't remember anything of it. Then now fast forward, I would say maybe like 10, 15 years later when I finally get to sit down and watch the movie. And I rem- it's funny because I have memories 
of seeing The Lost World in theaters vividly. And I remember having a great time seeing The Lost World. So with me, I have more of a connection, I think, to The Lost World, even though it's nowhere near the quality of film that the original Jurassic Park is. But just memory-wise, I have a bigger connection to The Lost World than I do to Jurassic Park because I saw Jurassic Park so young and have no recollection of seeing it in the theater. But I remember finally seeing The Lost World and just loving the the theatrical experience of that. So when I finally got to see Jurassic Park, you know, with kind of adult adult mentality and adult eyes, I really grew an appreciation for, you know, the special effects, the story. Like, this is pretty much the ultimate adventure story. I mean, you have, you know, dinosaurs brought back to life for a theme park. And, of course, everything goes wrong. And I just love not only the story, the special effects, but of course the you have great actors. Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Richard Attenborough, and of course our friend Jeff Goldblum. Like it's just an amazing cast, amazing story. And you know, I can now I kind of see take those two, the original Jurassic Park and the Lost World, and kind of treat them kind of hand in hand. Um, but like I said, like just off of my youth, I still have that kind of closer to the connection to the lost world but that that doesn't take anything at all away from the original jurassic park and what a pioneer that film was especially when it came to blockbusters so that's pretty much my experience with that movie but again you know i kind of take jurassic park and the lost world kind of hand in hand in a way so before we go into um how I first experienced Jurassic Park, I do want to say for our younger listeners, a mall is like Amazon, but like a building. <laughs> so, yeah, the, we kind of have uh, to find that now. <laughs> they are few and far between. Um, so I had um, a different experience with Jurassic Park. Uh, Jurassic Park came out like just short of my uh, 13th birthday, and I was excited to see it. Uh, because I actually read the book before the movie came out. Um, I was one of those kids that, like, weird little kids that was reading, like, big, thick science fiction books whenever they were, like, in seventh and eighth, sixth and seventh and eighth grade. So I'd want, I'd, I read Jurassic Park, and, you know, when the movie was coming out, I was just very excited to see it. And um, they changed some stuff. Now, I oh, actually. Oh, they did. They did. Now, I actually have seen the movie way more times than I've read the book, so I actually at this point don't even remember what they changed, Um, but I remember sitting through the movie as a 12-year-old kid being super snotty and elitist, like, that's not what happened in the book, and being super annoyed about the movie the whole time, not letting myself get lost in it at all, not letting myself enjoy it at all, just sitting there being all bratty and like, that's not what happened. That's not what happened in the book. Whatever. Um, it wasn't until probably like two or three years later, whenever I saw it again on like home video, when I was like, "Oh yeah, this movie's actually really good." <laughs> so, um, but I was way being way too bratty about it the first time. Actually, I don't even know if it was two or three years later. I think it was probably like later that summer. Yeah, actually. So back when I was a kid. Um, you know, I I'm, was born in the Dominican Republic, and uh, every year we would kind of take like a, a month long trip 
uh, with my family back to the DR to, you know, to spend time with family and things like that. And I remember actually seeing Jurassic Park in a movie theater again uh, in the DR uh, with Spanish subtitles. Um, and I think that's whenever I uh, actually grew to appreciate it more. Right. Um, it, it's, it was just later that summer, not two or three years later, but it was later that summer. Um but uh, yeah, the first time I saw it, I was definitely not impressed, uh, being such a like little film snob. <laughs> but but um, yeah, as far as Lost World goes, I didn't see that until it came out on home video. I didn't go to see it in the theaters for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um, I definitely wanted to see it, but I just never got around to it. I didn't see it until the until. Uh, I think I was at like a, a friend's house and we watched it on, on video and I didn't love it. <laughs> and, I, and as an adult, when I saw it again, I still don't really love it. Um, except for really the Tyrannosaurus kind of stomping around the city. That's yeah. really the best part of it. Um, but uh, but as far as Jurassic, the, the original goes, yeah, I as I've seen it since more and more, um, it really, to me, to me, it's like the perfect blockbuster and it's it. It's, you know, apropos considering a Spielberg who who created the first blockbuster with Jaws, um, it 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 really hits all the notes. Um, it, it's a good adventure story. Uh, it has good characters, great acting. Um, you're invested in in like whether the characters are are gonna survive or not. There are people you actually want to get eaten, um, yeah. and you know it's it's a great adventure story. Yeah, fun fact. Uh, I first got Audible. I downloaded that about, uh, I think at this point, it's been like seven years, seven years ago. Uh, I finally gave into the constant ads that Amazon was sending me for Audible. It's like, oh, you know, download Audible, get a free audiobook. And the first audiobook I downloaded with my free token was Jurassic Park. So that's the first one that I listened to on the commute to work, on the commute home. And I was kind of flabbergasted at all the stuff that they changed. And they changed more stuff than I thought they did, like for I think the the one that sticks out the most to me, I think, is that John Hammond is like the the heel. He's like a, a, a kind of an asshole <laughs> in the novel as opposed to the book where he's Richard Attenborough, who's kind of more of like the naive sap, you know, who doesn't yeah. really know what he has or what he's done. <laughs> yeah, he, he he's he's much more of a kindly grandfather in in, they, in the movie. Exactly. I do kind of I do kind of remember that that he was more of a a heel. Yeah. Um, what oh, do you remember? What else was was different? Because I really don't remember. Uh, that the character Doctor Gutierrez is not in the movie, and he's kind of a big part of the book. See, I remember him being part of the beginning, and then he's somewhere in the middle again. Because I forget why they he he's at the park, and I, I'm my memory's a little hazy on that. But I, the thing that always sticks out with me because it was kind of surprising to me was the was the how John different John Hammond was in the novel. So that always stuck with me ever since listening to the audiobook. But I remember Dr. Gutierrez is a character that I remember from the book that's nowhere in, in the movie at all. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember that character, to be honest. <laughs> um Yeah, so um let's kind of get into the let's get into the movie. Um so as I said, it was directed by Steven Spielberg, uh based on a screenplay by um uh, Michael Crichton and David Kep, based on the book Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton, um, produced by the infamous Kathleen Kennedy and Gerald <laughs> R. Mullen, starring Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum, Richard Attenborough, uh, B.D. Wong, Samuel L. Jackson, Wayne Knight, uh, Joseph Mazzello, and Ariana Richards. Cinematography by 
Dean Kundi, uh, and it, music by the immortal John Williams, a very recognizable track that we all know and love today, and released uh, by Universal Pictures on June 11th, 1993. Um, so yeah, let's get into Jurassic Park here. Um, like I said, I think it's really a perfect blockbuster. I think it sets uh, the whole... the regardless of what they took out from the book i mean clearly Crichton uh had a hand in the screenplay so he can't really get too too mad at it since he right. wrote the screenplay um it, it really has a really good structure to it like it sets everything up like right away what i what i love about the opening of the movie is that you know you you know going into to it it's going to be a movie about dinosaurs and they they do a bait and switch on you as like you see these guards kind of standing around and you hear like this this thundering noise and these trees start to move and it's just like a truck you know it like totally <laughs> pulls you into thinking it's going to be a dinosaur and it's just a truck now the truck uh i think it has uh it's a velociraptor in it and you know you kind of get that opening kind of jaws like sequence of one of the one of the guards getting sucked into the into the the pen where the velociraptor is. You don't see it, but you hear it, and you see what happens, but you don't actually see uh, the actual consequences of what happens. Yeah, it's a very effective opening sequence, I thought as well. You know, like you say, like the the guard is getting pulled in. You know, you know it's a dinosaur. You don't know what type of dinosaur it is yet, but obviously, like now, we know it's a it was a raptor. But seeing it for the first time, you don't know what's pulling it in. Uh, but that just kind of makes it all the scarier. Yeah, totally. Um, and it's good, good use of you know, good use of tension there. Very much uh, the Spielberg kind of moment there. Um, and it starts the movie off with a good kind of like, good kind of jump. Um, and then you go right into like the setup of what it, what it, what's actually happening here. And because like that's what. So at that point, they already clearly have made the dinosaur. But then you kind of get like almost a flashback because you see um you're in the actually in the in the dr in the dominican republic right. where you see um they they find the mosquito in the amber which is kind of the whole setup to everything um and you don't really know what what it's about unless you read the book you don't really know what the <laughs> mosquito in the amber is all about um and until well, you get that a little bit later in the story but uh but then you're introduced to um Sam Neill and Laura Dern as a uh, as our archaeologists that are kind of un unearthing some some dinosaur bones. Uh, you kind of get an early indication that you know some character development there that Sam Neill isn't really I'm sorry Dr. Grant isn't really uh, comfortable around kids. He kind of scares a kid with a Velociraptor claw. Uh, that's a really annoying little brat. Yeah. Um, who they never really established why is he there? Like why is this kid, kid there? <laughs> exactly. Uh before John Hammond kind of comes on the scene and tells them that uh he needs their help. He needs to have some uh experts analysis how is it? Like a, a cons like a consult to see if he can open basically open his park, but doesn't tell him exactly what it's gonna be. And he, he offers them like to fund their to fund their uh to fund their what do you call it? Not a grant, but like a their expedition or whatever they call it, like right. their, their study, uh, their dig, um, if he agrees to do this. But uh, uh, Sam Neill uh, already starting off the, the movie pretty good here. I, I love Sam Neill. I think he's a great actor. Um, but also this movie um, started my lifelong crush on Laura Dern. 
Oh, I I did a rewatch for this episode, and yeah, 1993 Laura Dern is is something else. And She's I'm so cute. Leave it at that. She's yes. very cute in this movie. I, I very much appreciate. Let's it. let's just say you can understand uh, Doctor Malcolm going after her <laughs> the way he did later on, but uh, but totally. yeah. Um. But uh, let's see what else happens. Uh, then, oh, of course, we get the scene with uh, with Wayne Knight, um, where you set up again more set up here, where you set up that he's a disgruntled employee um, uh, that is going to basically steal some of the uh, dinosaur embryos uh, and sell them to the next highest bidder. And he shows us this little Barbasol shaving can where he's going to hide the hide the embryos. Now, at this point, um, was. I, now I'm a big Seinfeld fan, and I'm trying to figure out, was <laughs> Newman already a character on Seinfeld? Because Seinfeld had already been out at this point. Right. But I'm trying to remember if, and, and it, was already, it was already pretty big. I'm trying to remember if Newman, the character, had already been introduced, because he didn't come until later. Because it'd be kind of funny to be, because I didn't watch Seinfeld at this point, whatever that came out. So I think it'd be pretty funny if you're sitting there watching a blockbuster, and all of a sudden Newman comes on the screen. <laughs> Uh, I'm not that big of a Seinfeld head, so I don't know like the history or like when or all that. But um, I would imagine he was already a character, so I'm sure people had that reaction, like, "Oh, look, it's Newman," you know. And of course, he's playing an evil little putz too. Exactly, and of course, a <laughs> meme, a future meme, would be born from this scene where you know, like, see, nobody cares. <laughs> see, nobody cares. <laughs> I love that scene, uh, yeah. and he's he's really great in this, and he plays such yeah. a like conniving little douche yeah <laughs> this scene in this sequence um uh as as we kind of move forward into the film we, we get them kind of heading into the island and there's a and you you meet um you meet the lawyer actually you already met him already at the right. at the, the whenever they found the, the amber dr yeah um but you meet the lawyer and you meet uh dr malcolm uh who's played who's probably the coolest like mathematician you've ever seen on on screen ever i mean he's got the leather jacket he's got the cool little glasses and everything he just looks super cool and of course it's jeff goldblum looking super cool of course um one thing i've noticed did you ever notice the and this plays late into the movie how like everyone starts putting on their seatbelt, but dr grant can't put his seatbelt on because he has two female ends he doesn't have the male end to click into the female end of the seatbelt. And of course, that oh. later because we find, as we know, they're, they breed the dinosaurs to only be female. Mm-hmm. But uh, as Dr. Malcolm says, life finds a way. And here, um, uh, Dr. Grant can't get the male, can't find a male end to put in the female seat buckle. Uh, seatbelt buckle so he just ties the two female seat buckles together and hey life found the way <laughs> oh so this is one of those uh, stanley kubrick uh, space shuttle docking type of things right? hey i'm just saying i'm just saying <laughs> all right i mean that, that that's a good catch I, I that did not hit me at all so that's awesome I, I wish i could take credit for it i i remember seeing it like on the internet someone mentioned it on the internet like a long time ago um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> I always found that very amusing. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the special effects because, um, the next big scene we get is when, you know, they pull up into the park and 
they get the big reveal of the of yeah. the di- of the brontosauruses like and and Dr. Grant, you know, you get that great shot of Dr. Grant like pulling his sunglasses down and 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 then like turning uh Dr. Sadler's head to look up and everything and you see the big brontosauruses and everything. Um and it, he's just, you know, flabbergasted and you see the big dinosaur on the screen. Now, watching this in high def, you can see the artificiality of it, right? Yeah. Um, in nineteen ninety three though, this was amazing special effects. And for the most part, I think with the T Rex especially and the Velociraptors Velociraptors later, they really hold up. But for some reason the, the brontosauruses here do look do definitely look fake to me. Well again, that's you know, our technology's come so far since ninety three that it was inevitable that you know, we'd be able to kind of see, okay, we, those are obviously fake. Um, the T-Rex holds up, like you said, the the Velociraptors hold up a lot better. But just, I mean, in 1993, this was just eye-opening. And, you know, just revolutionary special effects work here that, again, kind of paved the way for, you know, everything else that came after. And then even in the Jurassic Park franchise, it, not that they were any better looking than they were here, but, you know, this is this movie is such a pioneer in so many ways in the special effects. It's just tip of the iceberg. And it's funny because I I remember seeing a like behind the scenes thing or, or documentary on this that they originally did try to do this with like stop motion. And um and they, there's test footage out there where you can see the the Velociraptor stop motion test mm-hmm. and it's you know what it, it it's it's a noble effort, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, it, and, and look, I love like the old Harry, Roy, uh, Ray Harryhausen movies and everything. Yeah. But, uh, when you're like in the nineties and, and further, if you were to see like stop motion stuff like that on screen, it would definitely take you out of it. Yeah. Oh, I can't imagine. Um, but yeah, I think the special effects for the most part hold up. Like I said, the brontosaurus because like they get that shot where like, he's like walking under, the brontosaurus you kind of see it from underneath it just looks off like i don't know what it is like if it's like just the how the texture looks against the real textures of the world it looks off but like later when the tyrannosaurus attacks um it's maybe because it's dark and they're able to hide more of the flaws like they can uh it looks a lot more uh a lot, lot more believable and the same with the velociraptors but right. but yeah the um uh it just it just looks a little off to me. But again, 1993, we were all like going nuts over this. Yeah, jaws on the floor, just like um, Doctor. <laughs> that's like all the doctors there. Um, but yeah, super cool. Um, question for you. Now, I think all little kids at some point have a a fascination with or like an interest in dinosaurs at some point in their in their childhood, right? Had you ever heard of a Velociraptor until you saw this movie? Not a chance. No way. Yeah, yeah neither did I. It, it like it like I feel like this movie popularized popularized Velociraptors because uh, I've heard of the Tyrannosaurus, I heard of the the Brontosaurus, the Stegosaurus, the Triceratops. I don't think you get a Stegosaurus in this movie. You get one in um I think you get one in Lost World. Um, but you get all these different dinosaurs and the pterodactyls. Um, but I've never heard of a, a Velociraptor. Uh, I think this movie definitely was the one to popularize them. 
And you know what's funny, too? Like, I feel like, especially, you know, in the age of Jurassic Park and these types of movies, I feel like all kids at some point go through a dinosaur phase where, like, they just become obsessed with it, whether it's after seeing the movie or not. I really didn't have that. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would play with dinosaur toys, but I never, like, had a phase where, like, I was obsessed with them. Whereas my sister, who came out, who, who, when the Lost World came out, she was about three years old. And again, like, I, I remember being in the theater for that one and just being, like, so freaking amazed at it. We took my sister to that, too. And then she got a, I mean, she's a bit of a tomboy herself now, but, like, you can kind of tell at, at age of three, age four, she became obsessed with dinosaurs. It was all because of the Lost World. And we bought her, like, all the dinosaurs from the movie. We bought her the Jeff Goldblum figure. <laughs> and it was just, it was, it only lasts like a year or so, but it was kind of cool to see like my sister just become so obsessed with, with dinosaurs and it, all, it was all because of the lost world. So that was kind of, that, that's interesting phase for life, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, you just mentioned the figures and it made me, it reminded me, do you remember like all the marketing that went into this movie? Like, I remember those toys, like really. My vivid. cousin had the T-Rex from the original, from, from this one. He had the one where you can like take out like the side. Like, it was one of those, it was meant to, like, you know, to have, like, a dinosaur fight. Like, a dinosaur would tear off, like, the side of the... Right, right, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it had, like, that piece. You can see the inside. So, m my cousin had the big T-Rex that had that little, like, piece that you could take out. As if it was being, like, eaten or something, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I kind of remember that. Yeah, but I do remember that they, these toys were everywhere. I remember even Christmas, like, six months later, they were, like, everywhere. All the toys were, like, all the toy stores and stuff. Yeah. I remember... Definitely, um, I remember the, the T-Rex toy. I also remember, like, there was, um, um, they had a toy for Malcolm, um, Dr. Malcolm. They had a toy for Muldoon, right? Yeah. Um, and, like, didn't he, like, shoot, like, freaking, like, bazookas or rockets or something? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, and you know what? I think, I'm thinking, I'm doing a Google search now, and I'm definitely, I'm seeing the T-Rex the with the, with the, the the chunk of it missing from its side, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I do remember that. Like these, I remember these toys just being everywhere. It was one of those like I'm trying to think. Like now we know, like every time there's like a big movie, like with a franchise, you see you see all the merchandising stuff. But like I feel like in '93, like it was this was still like a new newer thing. Like not every movie that had like a mass appeal did that but i feel like jurassic park was really early on that like obviously star wars had done it um and like some other stuff in the 80s but i feel like jurassic park was like really big on the merchandising and i remember seeing the shirts everywhere the posters yeah. everywhere, definitely the the toys and stuff i mean i could be wrong and i probably am but you know as a kid at the time other than jurassic park and star wars the only thing i remember seeing that was tied to like a movie was Batman like after eight? Yeah, Batman. Eight nine. Batman had all yeah, that merch, right. and then Batman Returns kind of doubled the effort. Like just like in a few years after this, the Lost World like really ramped up the merchandising and toy effort. Which I mean, there was so much that that they had out there. Like and I can attest to that. Like I said, because we were buying that for my sister. Like we bought the Julianne Moore <laughs> action figure and the, the <laughs> Jeff Goldblum. So <laughs> Julianne Moore with an action figure. That's hilarious. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny because um. I'm thinking too, like I'm thinking back that time period, the other major toy brands 
like I remember were um, Ghostbusters and Ninja Turtles, but those are more based in the cartoons, not the movies. Exactly, right. Like, they, I, I, I don't even think there were, like, Ghostbuster movie uh, toys. They were definitely all cartoons. Um, but yeah, I, the marketing and media, or marketing and merchandising blitz behind Jurassic Park was insanity. Um, so, uh, so basically we get the kind of the gist of the movie that Richard Attenborough, um, he, uh, John Hammond, I should say, he's, he's basically, he's found the way to, uh, breed dinosaurs because of, uh, uh, this, this mosquito that he found in Amber and he's basically taking the the blood that was drained from a dinosaur from that mosquito uh and then making these different uh di- all these different dinosaurs and opening up basically an amusement park or giant right. zoo basically um and he's getting all these different experts as opinion on on if you know how to run the run the park and everything um what i love is like the lawyer uh who is like kind of Whatever. When he when we first start the movie, the second he sees the the brontosaurus, he's like, "Oh, we're gonna make millions of dollars. We make so much money." <laughs> and he he's such a nerd because he's got like the suit jacket, but he's wearing shorts the whole time. Yes. And I, I love that he's like contrasted with with uh, Goldblum, who's like in a leather jacket. It was like this place is clearly clearly like in a tropical zone, like near the equator, and he's walking around in a freaking leather jacket. Yeah, and I and I love kind of like. The evolution, in a way, of Jeff Goldblum and his opinion of Jurassic Park, because of course at the beginning he's like just amazed, like this is even possible. And as we go through, like he's going through the tour and everything, like you can kind of see his demeanor, and it's very subtle from Jeff Goldblum, which I mean, it's great acting. It's very subtle, like you can kind of slowly see like his demeanor just start to change to like, okay, what are we doing here? This goes against nature, and this is, you know, we shouldn't be doing this, but. You know, you go from that that original scene where, you know, he sees the brontosaurus and then he's just like, holy crap, you know. And then just little by little as we're going through, like he's taking the tour and then he's seen what John Hammond has built. And it's like, okay, this is this is BS. We should this is not none of us should be here at all right now. But I I love just just the subtle way that Jeff Goldblum was able to kind of ease that up to the point where he kind of just blows up at Hammond says, you know, you not you shouldn't be doing this. You know how that basically the little journey that the emotional journey that that got to that point. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and and of course, as he as he famously says, your scientists are so preoccupied with whether or not they could that they didn't stop to think, think if, if they, they should, should. Which is another memed line. Yeah. Um, there's so many. There's a couple of other ones later, but <laughs> there's a lot of like Malcolm gets a ton of of different quotes here that that are very memorable. But like this movie is very quotable. It has like. Um, much like, you know, uh, uh, like another franchise like Star Wars or something like it has a ton of different lines that are like instantly recognizable, like clever girl and must go faster. And, uh, yeah. Uh, Welcome to Jurassic Park is like, that's, that's a basic one, but it, you know, it, you know, it's a very, remember it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what else, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's a very quotable movie. Really, really cool. Um. So they they take this tour where they see like uh, how they got the how they get the you know basically how they get the DNA from the in this like really cheesy cartoon uh, how they get this DNA from the from the mosquito to make all the different dinosaurs and they answer the question like 
you know, uh, they they fill in the rest of the sequence DNA sequencing with frog DNA, and that becomes important later. Uh, yes. In the movie. Um, and then they find out like, hey, how do you stop them from breeding? Oh, they're all bred as girls. Um, so you're like, oh, well, that solves that problem, except it doesn't. <laughs> um, we get a little bit more of introduction to uh, Muldoon uh, when he when, when they're at like the Velociraptor pen, where he basically is like, yeah, these are really dangerous animals, and we really shouldn't be doing anything with these things. Yeah, and it kind of puts over their intelligence too. Like he's saying, you know, oh, you know, these are highly intelligent animals. Like you know, they'll, uh, you know, they they. He was basically talking about how like they ram a part of the fence to find vulnerabilities in it, and they remember, you know, which you know, are the stronger parts and some of the weaker parts. So that way, it's like they're already trying to foment their escape. Even if um, uh, Dennis Nedry hadn't done what he did, I'm sure eventually the Raptors would have figured out how to escape anyway, which is kind of the, the whole point of that, you know? Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I, it's it's such a... Um, it's interesting because... Uh, Everything that he says comes up, comes up later in the film, <laughs> right? Because um, uh, you you do get and he gets he gets caught in the exact trap that he talks about in earlier on in the film. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> clever girl. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, at this point the movie's rock and roll, and the first act is all set up to see you know to to show you like how we got here, setting up all these characters, and then we get this you know meeting at the where they're kind of all sitting around the dinner table and literally everyone malcolm sadler uh, uh grant they're like this is a bad idea and then the lawyers the only one's like no this is great we're gonna make lots of money oh hey, we, the lawyer's kind of an a-hole here it's like oh you know we can uh we can charge two thousand three thousand four thousand and they'll pay it in the and hammond's like you know the world deserves let's not talk about price right now you know the world deserves the whole world deserves to be able to enjoy these animals. And then he goes, oh, yeah, of course, I agree with you. you know, maybe we can have a coupon day, you know? And I'm like, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, let, let's just say this right off the bat, okay? Um, we've had six or five, five different Jurassic Park movies. There's a sixth one coming, right? We had three in the original, quote-unquote, original trilogy, right? Right. And then we have had two of like the newer quote unquote trilogy, and then there's another one coming, right? Which um, is, it basically is going to be the franchise ender because Doctor Malcolm's back, Doctor Sadler's back, Doctor Grant is back, and then with Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, now we have all these, you know, movies, and basically the same thing happens basically at every movie. Is like, hey. Dinosaurs aren't meant to be in a zoo or in a, an amusement park, and if you try to contain them, it's all going to go bad. But I'm I'm going to just say it: if this existed, I would absolutely go. Hell yeah, I would. Go. I would Hell absolutely yeah. go. I don't care if I get eaten by a Tyrannosaurus Rex because I went to a Jurassic Park amusement park or a theme park or a zoo or whatever you want to call it. If I went and I and the, the side effect was was that I got eaten by a tyrannosaurus, totally worth it. Absolutely <laughs> worth it. How I mean, that's a badass way to go. Like at your funeral, like, you know, Adolfo Acosta survived by his wife and family, but sadly, unfortunately got eaten by a tyrannosaurus rex. <laughs> I mean <laughs> that's amazing. That's an amazing way to go. And also 
you got to see dinosaurs. Like, yeah, and I think one of the things that I do did like about Jurassic World was how it kind of brought to fruition the intention of John Hammond in this movie or what the park was meant to be. So being able to see like the actual Jurassic Park, although it was called Jurassic World, obviously, but being able to see the park at its full fruition and realization is, I think, what I popped the most out of, you know, from Jurassic World, because that was really cool. Absolutely. And I and I don't care how poorly things would go. I mean, I would totally be all over that park. Remember, that girl got picked up by the pterodactyl. <laughs> That's one way to go, too. Yeah, whatever. You know, it, yeah, it'll suck when that happens, but you got to see a dinosaur and you got to eaten by a dinosaur or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just looks like fun, man. I don't, I don't, you get to, there's parts of me, whenever I like start to think about it, I get the, like, not really depressed, but I get depressed that I'm never going to see a dinosaur. Like they, that's never going to happen. Like we're never going to get dinosaurs. And that sucks. Cause it, yeah. they've been around long. They were around longer than we were, uh, than we've been. And, and, uh, all we have is bones and, and CGI movies, you know? Well, like Dr. Grant said in this movie, there's a reason why dinosaurs and humanity missed each other by about 65 million years. So, I guess. Still think it'd be cool. Yeah. Um, so now, um, so Hammond basically arranges them to do like a a tour of the park and like these uh the, these those cool jeeps, um, with his grandchildren uh, in tow, uh, which of course the second you see them, um, you you know like okay. Here's the thing that's going to make you uh, feel vulnerable for the whole movie: we're having these kids in tow, right. because you know, because you know that they're going to be in danger. Um, and what do you think about these kids? Because they, I remember when I first watched it, I didn't think much of it, but as I get older, these kids get really annoying <laughs> with, every, <laughs> with every subsequent viewing. Oh, they were always annoying. I, I, I never had, like, the, the... I There was never a phase of me watching this movie where I was like, oh, you know, I feel bad for them. Or like, no, they were always annoying. Even when I was when I was younger and watching this, they I always hated them. I mean, I never wanted them to get eaten, really. But it, it was always, like, one of those things where, like, did we need the kids in this movie? Is this, yeah. is this like... I mean, I mean, I'm assuming they were, they were in the book, right? It's seriously been so long since I read the book. Were they in the book? I think they were. Okay. I'm pretty sure they were. So, I mean, it's it just seems like a, uh, it just seems like a, we're adding this here for the audience to feel like a sense of danger for the characters. But like, I feel we could have had that with the adults. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think we needed the kids in here. They're just slowing everybody down. <laughs> <laughs> and they're being stupid. But then again, without them being stupid, there's no plot in a way, you know? I know it, it. It just bugged me. It just it, I don't know. Um, uh, but yeah, so they're they're um, they take a tour of the of the island and uh, they're and uh, nothing seems to be going right. Like they they stop by the Tyrannosaurus paddock and no Tyrannosaurus. Lorem um, with a poor goat and he yeah, still the show up. Poor goat. Doctor no. Grant is like the Tyrannosaurus doesn't want to be fed. He wants to hunt. <laughs> Um, we get he says early on about um, before before the Tyrannosaurus actually appears. Uh, we get early on him talking about how their their sight is based on movement. Um, you get the uh, the scene where uh, Malcolm starts flirting with uh, Doctor uh, Doctor Sadler and uh, right right in front of Grant. <laughs> 
and he's got that uh, uh, he's got that uh, that line where he's like where they ask him like oh you got kids yeah I got three and he's like I'm always on the lookout for the future ex Mrs Malcolm <laughs> yes I heard, that's a great line um uh what else happens here um yeah he explains chaos theory which is basically like uh you can basically boils down to you can't really predict what's going to happen because everything is chaotic which um, it's a big thing i i know in the book like they really kind of hype up that whole thing like here it's kind of glossed over a little bit it's kind of just mentioned here and there but the book that's like one of the main themes of the book is the chaos, whole chaos theory thing right um, you get a look at the backstage of things with like all the different uh, texts that like kind of run the park. We get a, and we get an appearance by uh, Samuel L. Jackson here, very young Samuel L. Jackson. Who hold still, on to your butts. Hold on to your butts. Another quotable line. Um, he says it, I think, at least three times in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, he's he. Um, I think one of the most uh, stressful things of the movie is how how that cigarette never really falls off of his lips because it's yeah. just on there by a thread. Um, oh, what's his name in the way? Uh, what is his name in the film? Um, uh, I'm looking it up right now because I want to know. Mr. Arnold, that's his name, Mr. Arnold. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Samuel L. Jackson here, uh, about a year before he breaks big with Pulp Fiction. Um, and uh, it's funny how he basically looks the same, other than like having some hair in this movie. He has really not changed at all. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because you never really see him in these kind of roles. He's always in an action role now. Like he's always in like a badass role, mm-hmm. a butt kicker role. Like here he's a scientist, he's a nerd. Uh, and they don't really put him in those kind of roles anymore. Well, I think, like you said, after Pulp Fiction, that he, he kind of got typecast after that. But I mean, for the. Oh, and we love all his roles after that anyway, but he kind of he kind of got typecast after that. And now he's like this big action guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, 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 it's funny because you also get, you know, you also see um, uh, Nedry here in, in kind of in his element where he's kind of talking about how he's been shortchanged, which kind of shows you why he was kind of back dealing on the other end because he, he feels like he deserved a raise. And it's funny, it's like, you know, Hammond spent a lot of money on this park. Why is he shortchanging the IT guy? You know, like of all things to cut corners on, why the IT guy who controls all your fences? Exactly. I mean, it's like, oh, oh I spared no expense. He said, I spared no expense like 10 different times in the movie, but yet not for the IT guy. Like you said, that pretty much has the park in the palm of his hand that he can do whatever he wants with, as he showed later on. Why shortchange him? Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like it just seems very unless like they unless he really is just greedy and he's getting plenty of money. He's just being greedy. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe at that point, just find somebody else you know, <laughs> to run the thing. Yeah, because it just seems like a bad situation ready to happen. And at that point, you know, it's funny because, you know, like, all right, that guy's definitely getting eaten. <laughs> um, You know, the lawyer's getting eaten early on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like I said, they 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 kind of stop they have this little tour nothing's really happening and then they kind of 
escape the uh, escape the 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 cars, which is like, why aren't they locked? Why are you able to get out of the car? In the which first place? what Hammond said, like I told you, these need to have automatic locks or whatever he said. I mean, still, like they they I know they address it, but like really, why would they, why would you be able to get out? Why would they think of not adding them to begin with? Is what you're saying, which I exactly. understand. I get it. Um, and. Uh, you know, they get to the Tyrannosaurus, or not the Tyrannosaurus, the Triceratops, who's sick. And it's a really, now this isn't CGI. This this is like an animatronic. It looks really cool. Um, and you get that really fun, like, moment where you see Grant, like, putting his head on the, on the, on, like, the Triceratops belly to kind of listen to its heartbeat and stuff. Yeah. And you see his, like, head go up and down. And that's what I like. he's marking this. out for it, too, which is I know, I, he, he is. Um and what's what I really love about the movie is that it it doesn't completely rely on CGI. It um it does use you know practical effects like animatronics when it's necessary. Right. Um, well, we got a we got a, a meme coming in a couple seconds after that. So yes, of course you get uh, you get Doctor Malcolm come up to the the giant uh, giant feces and he just goes. That is one big pile of shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> Which I, I tend to use never uh, I tend to use that meme fairly often. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a it's a great line. Um and of course, like almost immediately after you see Sadler just shove her hands right into it. And you know it's just like probably just, you know, some some mud and, and stuff, but just the thought of it just grosses me out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and at that point, you know, this is where we separate everybody. Sadler goes back. Um, uh, Sadler goes back with Malcolm and uh, and, the, and the Grant and the kids and um, the lawyer all go off in the, in the car. Actually, no, Malcolm is in the car with Grant, isn't he? Yeah, it's, it's the lawyer and the kids in one car, and then it's Malcolm and Grant in the other. And then Sadler stays behind with the Triceratops. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, of course, the ride breaks down right outside the Tyrannosaurus paddock. It starts to rain. Um, and that's, wh- tropical that's whenever storm. tropical storm, right? And that's when everything starts to kind of come together at one moment. You got the storm coming in, you got the ride breaking down in front of the Tyrannosaurus paddock. And you also have Nedry who broke everything down to like, to, you know, uh, so that he could get out of there uh, and, and get on the boat out of there to deliver to get to steal the embryos all that's happening all at once so like right. this is like the a big this is probably the big tense moment in the middle of the film yeah everything's coming to a head now um and this is where we get our first big real appearance of the of the tyrannosaurus and you get the very um i think one of the coolest shots um i think ever it's i probably one of it probably has to be one of Spielberg's top five coolest shots. When you just see the 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 glass of water, you just see the ripples suddenly start going in the glass of water. Then they stop, and then you hear boom, and you see the ripples go again. It's a great moment. Yes, which was uh, Wayne's World two parodied the scene with the with the water. And I, every time I, I see this scene now, dress part, I just think of Wayne's World two when they did it. <laughs> it was it's pretty funny, but uh. But I think this this whole sequence with the Tyrannosaurus is probably my favorite sequence in the film, other than the the big chase with the T Rex later on, with the Jeep. But uh, this one here is just amazing, which with the tension and the suspense, it's just it's really really well done here. In fact, I actually have a Mondo poster of this scene 
hanging in my in my house right now. I'll send you a I'll see if I can find a picture. I can send you the the poster. I'm sure it's like in Google Images or something. But um, when this poster went up, like I had to have it, and I ended up actually having to get it off eBay. So obviously, I paid a premium for it. Unfortunately, everything gets jacked up on eBay, but it was worth it because it's such a beautiful poster. Just it captures this scene so perfectly. So, um, but I, I just I just love this scene so much. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a great sequence. Um, I think it's probably my favorite sequence in the film. Um, I mean, again, a top five, top five Spielberg sequence, period. Because, um, you know, you get the buildup with the, the water, and then you see the, the big Tyrannosaurus eye, like, uh, like, kind of coming in through Lexi's window as, she's fly, as she flashes the flashlight into its eyeball. And then, of course, you know, the whole thing where he flips the car over and the, I guess it's a she, she flips the car over and then, you know, they have the whole rescue and everything like that. But um, it's such a fantastic sequence. And and um, I remember watching this countdown like years late, like years ago on like, I don't know if it was AMC or Bravo or one of those channels. It was around Halloween times, like the hundred scariest moments in, in, in movies or something like that. Right. And it wasn't always horror movies. And they, they picked things from different movies that weren't horror movies. And that sequence made the list because it is a really scary, it's kind of a scary sequence. If you're not, uh, if you're not ready for it. it's one of the reasons that I haven't shown this movie to my kids yet. Cause I, there are some scenes I don't think they can handle that being one of them. Yeah, exactly. I can imagine how, like, you know, at a certain age, this could be a very intense, maybe too intense for them. Uh, so I definitely understand. Um, that's, of course, this is when shit goes sideways in the film. Um, everything goes wrong. Um, oh, I see that you sent the image. Let's see here. Oh, yeah, I think I have. I've seen this picture before. That's a really cool picture for everyone listening. I'll put this uh, I'll I'll post this with the with the podcast itself. But it's a really cool poster. I have seen this poster before. Yes, I, I love this poster so much. It really captures the scene well, I think. And you can even, even uh, to the, the little bolts of lightning at the top. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Um, what, oh, and of course, the lawyer gets eaten in the scene <laughs> off the toilet. So. Yeah. When you got to go, you got to go. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so everything has gone sideways at this point uh, after the Tyrannosaurus is attacked. And I don't remember whether it's before or after the Tyrannosaurus attacks that you see Nedry's kind of ultimate fate um, whenever he's uh, trying to get to the trying to get to the dock to get off the boat and uh he crashes his jeep and um he uh, what is that dinosaur called the uh dilophosaurus the laposaurus is that what it's called yeah the one that has the 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 freaking fins that come out of its head yes and then it spits the black thing and i love that it totally sets that up early in the movie when they're on the tour they talk about it spits a poisonous venom that blah 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 And, and then of course, you see that they're not going to say that if you're not going to see it later. And of course, we absolutely see it later whenever it spits its black stuff into into his eyes. And then you don't see the now. This is something I remember very clearly in the book. I remember reading this scene was pretty graphic in the book. Like they talk about like I remember like they, they say something about how like Nedry sees his intestines as he starts dying or something like that. And I remember being a kid and like waiting for this coming up and it was like oh man i don't want to see that's gonna be really scary but they don't show it they just show like the yeah. the car like move like 
jostle about a bit. And yeah. You just know that he's dead. But that's one of those things that I was like, oh, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to see that. <laughs> and that's another one of the toys I think they had. They had the Dilophosaurus the toy that shot like little black things out. Yeah. Would, would, would I, not for nothing, I think it's pretty cool. But <laughs> What, the toy or the... The, 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 the toy. Itself? Yeah. Um. Yeah, so he gets stuck. He gets hit by that uh, by that thing, and he dies. Um, when do they? So I'm trying to remember, because Grant is is left. Grant survives the Tyrannosaurus attack, and he and is, is he found by Sadler and Muldoon then? Yes, because he because I remember him seeing like sitting in the truck, and then looking down at the 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 paw print. Well, they find the... they find Doctor Malcolm first. Okay. And that's when you get the big chase sequence with the T-Rex, where he goes, yeah, go he, faster. Yeah, because he's sitting in the Jeep, and he looks down all of a sudden, and he sees the the paw print of the uh, of the claw print, I don't know what you would call it, of the, of the Tyrannosaurus, and it's filled with water, and then you see the ripples going in that. And then that's when he's like, come on, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. <laughs> and then you see the, the Tyrannosaurus burst through the, burst through the trees, and that's when you get the must go faster thing. Yeah. Which he brought back at Independence Day. Yeah, I caught that too. Well, of course, when I saw Independence Day, I didn't remember that. So I thought that, again, it's one of those things where, like, you know, The Simpsons makes a reference to like something old, and I, and in my five, six, seven-year-old mind, The Simpsons invented it. <laughs> but I thought it here very briefly. So I remember him say, seeing, ah, I remember him saying it in Independence Day, and I'm like, oh, you know, and then I see Jurassic Park, like, oh wait, he said the same thing in Independence Day, <laughs> thinking that, you know, obviously. He said it here first, but in my seven-year-old, eight-year-old head, I didn't put that together until later. So, now, are there any Simpsons callbacks to Jurassic Park that that you can remember? Um, I'm sure there is, but right now, like off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything. The only one that I do remember though is the Family Guy one. I don't know if you you know which one I'm talking about, but um, no, it's the episode. I'll send you the link. It's the episode where they have to fake a. Uh, uh, Quagmire's death so we can get a divorce or something because <laughs> he hates being married. So he does the whole thing. We're like, oh, you know, then a Nazi cave. And then, you know, they think they can grab the body, but then it's like, oh, no. And then they show Peter with a toy dinosaur <laughs> eating him. And he goes, dun, And he sings the song. Hilarious. I love that. I love that clip, bro. I'm going to send it to you. All right. So but, uh, I, don't, I don't remember that one. I don't remember that clip at all, to be honest. In fact, but, I'm going to send you the clip. I'll send you the, the full clip or, or with everything. And then I'm going to show you they, they edited it to just show the Jurassic Park theme. So that's uh, like, that's the one I always send to rewatch every now and then because I just love the way he, he hums it. It's very Peter Griffin-ish. I can, I can totally hear it in my head how you like I can imagine him doing it in my head. Yeah. Um, so you, you did bring up the theme, uh, John Williams scored this as he scored, he scores a lot of Spielberg movies. Um, what do you think of the theme as it, as it compares to like all the, the other iconic, uh, John Williams themes? That's a good question. Uh, honestly, and, and I'll tell you this much, I have the vinyl soundtrack for this movie that I purchased from Mondo when it came out. That should probably tell you how much I love this soundtrack and I love this score. I mean, not just this, the, the main theme song, but like this, this entire score for this movie is so good. 
it's one of those things that I can kind of just, it's one of those rare movie scores or movie soundtracks where I can just kind of put it on and just let it play the whole thing. I mean, of course, nowadays you just ask Alexa to play it for you. But uh, before when we actually had to play stuff ourselves, I could just put it on and just do like housework or do homework and just like let the music just kind of play. And it's just such a beautiful score. John Williams is just, what a legend, man. And uh, as far as stacking up to other themes, like particularly Jaws, I kind of like uh, this one more. I think it's just, even though both are iconic in their own way, I just kind of like, just personally, I just feel like this Jurassic Park one, it's just, it, I just prefer it more, you know? You know, it, it's, I think that there are other of his themes that are more recognizable to the general public, like, Star Wars, Raiders of the Lost Dark, Jaws, um, even Harry Potter. But I think this is still in like the top five of the best, whether or not like it's record. And, and it is recognizable. I just think that some of the other I mean, it's just that Star Wars and Raiders are so freaking recognizable. Um, it, it, it is one. Of, it's just it's so. It's so iconic and it, it and I love the fact that it what john williams is good at um especially in these kind of sci-fi um movies is bringing you that sense of adventure and within like and that like it brings that sense of adventure with that with that with that music like it's absolutely encapsulates that adventure yeah not just the main theme song but like the kind of secondary theme was like that that's another great theme <laughs> that's not like i just listen to all day yeah absolutely and that's that's like that's like the the low yeah you're right the the secondary one like the the softer one you know right not the triumphant like you know adventure one yeah um but yeah it, it, it it's a great theme i all-time like top five all-time John Williams theme, I think. Like nothing better than that. Um, so, you know, at this point now, everything's gone sideways. The kids and Dr. Grant are, are lost, you know, in the woods. Uh, you know, the couple people uh, people have been eaten. And uh, <laughs> Hammond's just sitting there eating ice cream. <laughs> He's got like seven different ice cream buckets in front of him. Um, he spared no expense yep. on this ice cream. <laughs> why the question is is the why because the park isn't open yet so why does he have all this food available <laughs> you know what i mean like he only has like five guests there right like they're all i guess maybe for all the other employees that were setting it up but still yeah. like uh, it just it doesn't seem like necessary to have all this ice cream here well i think they imply that he was ready to open the park until that whole incident happened at the beginning with the employees so now he has to get like the scientists to kind of verify that it's safe before the investors pull out. So I think before that, before that happened, I think he was ready to open. But then after that happened, that's the whole reason like Dr. Grant, Dr. Sadler, Dr. Malcolm are there is to kind of, I guess that's true. You know, make the investors feel better before they start pulling their money out. But how I do think you, the I, lawyer had talked about that? But I feel like with something like this, you'd still need like months of like advertising and marketing to let the world know. Like, so like you still don't think you need the ice cream yet. I feel yeah, like the ice cream true. is like a last detail, secondary. Right? Yeah, it's like the last thing you put into place before you open. Like, it, and I feel like it's like he thought of that. Like, oh, let's make sure we have ice cream in the freezer. 
Like, we're still months away from opening. Ice cream in the freezer. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, Sadler has, like, a heart-to-heart saying, hey, you, yeah, you gotta, we're not opening this. No one's gonna recommend opening this thing, so you gotta think of the greater good here. <laughs> right. Um, you get another kind of really fun, iconic sequence with the... Uh, the herd of I don't know what they're called like the herd those herd of like the small dinosaurs that kind of look like it looks like the Lion King scene of the wildebeest like stampeding you know right uh, well I don't know what those dinosaurs are called as they're running away from the Tyrannosaurus and you see the the two kids and Grant like running with them in in before they hide that's a really fun scene as well it's another iconic scene too that they always show when they do like a sizzle reel of this yeah it, it, it's funny because like you could probably count on one hand like the quote unquote big dinosaur scenes, but they're so memorable in like this, you know, two hour movie that it doesn't really matter. Uh that there's 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 not only this that there's not that many of them, right? Um this is another one of those scenes where like if you look closely, special effects don't super hold up well, you know, in high def. Uh but again, whatever. It's nineteen ninety three. You gotta give it some slack. Yeah. Let's see what else uh, what else happens here. Um, oh yeah, you, obviously you see the um, the tyrannosaurus attack and eat them. Uh, is this is up next is where the um, they have to climb the, the the electrified fence? Yes, and I think right before they get you see them at the fence is when you get the sexy Malcolm. <laughs> for, oh, you're right. For, for no reason. They cut to the next scene, and he's just there in in the iconic sexy Malcolm pose. Like, what was even the point? <laughs> like, just think, just think of in '93, you kind of just you cut from that scene, the T Rex eating whatever that is, and then you cut to sexy Malcolm just randomly. Like, what the what the hell? <laughs> but now it's like now it's iconic that they did that. But in '93, you're watching it for the first time. It's like, uh, okay, okay, weird, uh, awkward segue, but. So, Sexy Malcolm, I've got two things to say about it. One, um, well, three things. One, it's awesome. <laughs> um, it, it's one of those things where I'm like, man, I'm, I'm not, like, I will never be that cool. Yeah. But two, um, what I find so funny about it is, like, when I went to see it, um, I think, like, 10 years ago or so they released it in 3d on imax screens and i went to they re-released it and i went to see it it was fun to see in 3d it's fun to see it on imax um but uh when i went to see it when that scene came up the second he appeared on the on screen the entire audience burst out laughing because because it's such a ridiculous scene right And what I love about it, this is the other thing I wanted to say about it, what I love the most about it is that it's so iconic, they made it a Funko Pop. Yes, they did, which I own, by the way. You have it? You have that Funko Pop? It's sitting on my desk in the basement. I think it's valuable, isn't it? Isn't it one of those, like, expensive ones? Oh, because it it was exclusive to Target, so you can Uh, only get it there. And then, of course, that, that sold out, like, pretty quick, so now you can only get it on eBay, and now it's marked up. Not too high. You can still get it kind of reasonable, but nowhere. It's not retail at all, though. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. On Amazon, you can get it for $35, which yeah. isn't insane, but for a little Funko, it's pretty Which is like $10 on release. You know, 35 right. is kind of a big markup. Right. Um, 
so back to the the story here. You um the Grant and the kids have, need to go up over the over the electrified fence to kind of get back back to the base. Um and it's off because you know Nedry basically turned everything off and Dr. Sadler's in the I don't know what the in like the the whatever it is the the control room or whatever trying to turn turn it back on and of course she's turning it back on just as they're climbing over the fence. Right. Um and what bothers me about this scene is that the kids could easily go through it. Malcolm or Grant <laughs> definitely has to grow over it. But yeah. there are there are big enough like holes in it that that the two kids who are like I mean Lexi's super skinny um and and uh what's the kid what's the boy's name? Um Tim. Tim. Tim is is small enough that they could definitely fit through some of those holes. And it annoys me that they that they have to climb over it. Where Grant definitely has a crime, but the other two kids don't. Well, I think the whole point of making them climb was so we can get the scene of Tim flying off the thing. No, cool. totally. <laughs> totally. That's absolutely why they did it. I'm just saying, like, they should have designed it better so you couldn't, like, see, like, hey, he could fit through those. He could fit through Yeah. That. They should have made the holes a little tighter. Yeah. Uh, but you do get that fun scene where he just flies off of the flies off of the thing. And it's, um, you know, it, you, you kind of wish, it, <laughs> even though you, you don't... I, I didn't necessarily want the kids to die. They were so annoying that I kind of did kind of pop at the fact that he flew off the, the fence. Oh, I think it's hilarious. I, I, <laughs> every time I see that scene, I just, I laugh. <laughs> um, and of course, right as, right after she turns everything back on, um, yeah, Dr. Sadler gets it in a really good jump scare moment, gets attacked by a, a velociraptor coming like right from behind her. And then right after she kind of escapes him, she hits the, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's arm fall on top of her, <laughs> which is pretty gruesome. Oh, Dr. Oh, Dr. Arnold, I found you. And then it's just his arm. Yeah. It's pretty gruesome for a PG-13 movie, like just yeah. seeing like a separate arm land on top of her. Yeah, that was, that was pretty freaky. Um, yeah, <laughs> so, I, you know, we're heading into the kind of the kind of big climax of the movie here where, um, and then also you see, uh, why does Muldoon go out to like get the, like, why does he feel the need to go out and like hunt down the velociraptors just cause they're loose or, or what? Um, I don't know if they ever explain it. I'm pretty sure that that was what it was. Um, I think. He basically tried to distract them while um, Dr. Sadler went and turned everything on. I guess they were, like, kind of guarding the perimeter around where the switches were. So he oh, pretty much tried right. to distract them. Because they knew they knew about the perimeter in general because they're smart. Yes. And, of course, he gets lo- he gets trapped in the exact same thing he was talking about earlier in the movie. Right, the Where trap. he has his sight on one, and uh, the, the other one has, has already closed in on him from the side. Yep. <laughs> Clever girl. Yeah. Um, which is a fun way to go. <laughs> and that's it for him, yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, I think shortly after Tim has his gets fried, they get back to the main the main kind of area, and uh, Grant kind of leaves them there and say, you know, he's going to go get help while they kind of eat the freaking all the Jello and 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 <laughs> cakes and stuff. Which again, why yeah. is that out? Like, why, why is that even there? Why is it sitting there? 
Uh, you get the great moment. You get the great shot of Lexi picking up her Jello, and then all of a sudden, her hands start to shake as the Jello wobbles in her spoon because she right. sees the Velociraptors walking around. And then, yeah, so we're kind of closing in, like on the climax of the film, where we're essentially the Velociraptors are the lead heels of this movie, and they're the ones you have to escape from now. Where again, it's kind of a, a cool bait and switch. Like you think the T Rex is going to be the lead heel, but it's the Velociraptors. Exactly, because um, you get a really. This is where you get the really fun sequence where they're in the kitchen, where they're stalking the kids in the kitchen. Um, you see that they've learned how to open doors. Um, I think at this point also Grant and Sadler reunite because she's like yes. running and limping through like the and she sees him and she's like run <laughs> um, and again I'm just saying she looks super hot in that scene um, <laughs> again this movie this this sequence I think has a has a lot of has a, a mix of animatronics and CGI a lot of the close up stuff definitely looks like animatronics uh, it's, they they definitely moving around like a like a like an animatronic looks really good. But uh, you can kind of tell it's 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 it has like a a physical an actual physical form in the world, right? Um, I still don't buy how Lexi tricked the Velociraptor though. I'm just saying, like how she tricked it with the reflection. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> they they had to move the, the the plot along somehow. And yeah, they kind of built up the Velociraptors as being these like super intelligent beings. So why would they get fooled by that? But I mean, gotta move the movie along. So. Uh, and you're right. They they definitely at this point they definitely have uh, changed the the lead heel to the Velociraptors because they because they're smart and because they're more like agile and like on the ground. They do kind of pose more of a threat than the T Rex, who's you can get away from the T-Rex. Like yeah. you can run, you could run away from the T-Rex because he's, he's so big, you could get lighter on foot, right? Right. Um, uh, and then as, <laughs> as Lexi is the hacker and she hacks into the system, getting all the systems back online <laughs> to lock the doors. <laughs> yeah. Um, they all start to, they all start to try and escape and they get stuck with the Velociraptors in the main hall and of course, you get that other iconic sequence of finally the uh, with the skeletons of the uh, of the different dinosaurs in the background, the Velociraptors closing in on the kids and 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 the Sadler and Grant. Here comes to the rescue with the baby face turn, the T Rex. <laughs> and a, a, what a great moment! That this is this is probably again. I love my favorite scene is still the initial T Rex attack. My second favorite scene is the the, the the Jeep chase with the T-Rex. And, of course, I guess every scene with the T-Rex here is my favorite because then, like you said, with the baby face turn, here comes the T-Rex chasing off the Velociraptors and eating them. So what what a great moment. What a, what a way to end the movie, bro, with that awesome save. And, of course, it, it, the little flag flying down when dinosaurs ruled the Earth as it roars triumphantly. Yeah. Um, uh, and... Uh, Quick uh, side note on that: the um, the roar is a baby elephant mixed with a tiger and an alligator, uh, and its breath is a whale's blow. Good to know because I was I, that roar is so iconic that I just kind of take it for what it is. Like, of course, you have to create that somehow because 
there are no dinosaurs. <laughs> How are you gonna get you know get an authentic roar? So it's I like when they do stuff like that. When like the sound engineers kind of piece together like different things. Like of course, obviously the most famous one is Darth Vader being like the scuba tube, you know. But uh, that's kind of cool that it has like all those different sounds to create that iconic roar. And then as it's um one of the the scene where it's uh oh so the stamp the dinosaurs in Stampede I looked it up are the Gallimimus. And the scene where it's eating the Gallimimus, uh, the sound where it's eating it is the sound of a dog attacking a rope toy. <laughs> okay, I, I can totally see that. <laughs> um, I, I do like uh, I do like these these kind of insights into these things, but it's funny because like you know we're talking about these these roar like you said we don't know what a dinosaur sounds like and they have to make these things but like when i hear that like oh yeah that's a dinosaur sound of course that's a dinosaur sound yeah now now <laughs> it yeah <laughs> of course it is why isn't it um so of course they get away they uh they get back to the helicopter grant says i'm not recommending <laughs> that you open this park they escape and um as as we as they escape and fly away um you see you know, Hammond is kind of looking forlornly at his at his amber, his mosquito and amber, and uh, you see the seagulls flying away. And the basically, you know, because you know, as we found out in, as uh, scientists have have found out that the birds are actually descendants of dinosaurs. So that's why we get right. the thing there. Um, here's here's what I want to talk about as far as dinosaurs go. In you know recent years, or at least to the recent years, the general public, it's been basically, um, it's been kind of found out or discovered that, uh, or theorized, I guess maybe is the word that um, dinosaurs wouldn't necessarily have had like lizard, like lizard like scales and skin. They would have had feathers. And I just want to say, even if that's true, I don't want to know that. I don't. Yeah, that's like I want to think about giant lizards, man. I don't want to think about these stupid things with like bird. Like, and you've seen like the the drawings of them and stuff with like these feathers. Like, screw that. I don't want to see that. I want to see freaking lizards, man. <laughs> Hashtag not my dinosaur. Not my dinosaur. And give me back Pluto. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's a uh, that's a uh, uh, that's Jurassic Park. Um, 1993 Spielberg had a really big year because about six months later, uh, Schindler's List was was released. Um, he actually uh, filmed both of these films uh, simultaneously. Wow! Um, like, yeah, um, that's a. Uh, how do you even like mentally do that? You know, <laughs> one one movie is like a horror tale about the Holocaust, and meanwhile you have. This, you know, happy-go-lucky, lively adventure suspense movie. Like, you know, how do you even kind of mentally check in to these two different, vastly different projects? I mean, kudos to him for for doing that. And I, I should I should kind of clarify that um, he filmed Jurassic Park first, like the initial uh, initial shoot, and then went to Poland to uh, to shoot. Um, Schindler's List, right? But there's still tons of stuff he had to work on for Jurassic Park and post production, visual effects, editing, sound, all that stuff. That basically what he would do is when he'd wrap in the daytime on Schindler's List, he'd go back to where he was staying in Poland and then monitor progress. I don't know how, like, I don't know, like, 
because you know the internet wasn't really big back then so i don't know how he monitored it but he monitored post-production at night on jurassic park and what they were doing there so like he was basically doing two films at once of really completely different ends of the spectrum one like a, a fun adventure film and one like a very sober you know horrifying look at world war ii you know yeah the holocaust um but you know both again big year for him not only because jurassic park made a shitload of money but you know people forget also schindler's list made a lot of money too and uh, both of these movies were highly uh well respected as far as critics went um and also both movies got a lot of awards so uh this is probably his best year from like from a career standpoint right oh definitely its domestic box office is $404 million, international at $629 million, giving it a worldwide gross of $1,033,928,000. Uh, so a uh, pretty big success, I'd say. And that's not adjusted for inflation, right? That's not adjusted for inflation, um, and that is on a budget of $63 million. Um, so there you go. Pretty sweet. Um, now, the original... Uh, release now that doesn't include all the re-releases because the original release uh, in 1993 was 357 million and then it got like 45 million in 2013 another million in 2020 whenever <laughs> whenever the world shut down so yeah uh, yeah so that's that's what was going on there um, and as far as awards go uh, it was nominated for uh, several awards and it won I think all of them for the Academy Awards the best sound effects editing best sound and best visual effects including our boy stan winston who got in there for the creature design uh it is probably one of the most uh watched movies ever um and it is it was definitely the number one movie of 1993 um and it is you know its legacies you know it spawned you know five sequels we got a, a fifth one coming um it's had video games toys books comic books uh you name it anything that can be spun away, spun out of a, a franchise this is spun out yeah like this you know from this movie you got this whole like media franchise you know like you said like it expanded into like all different sorts of you know entertainment you know, like with the toys with the books uh you had you know four other movies a fifth one coming out after this and you know not only did it like just start like the whole franchise but it's like i i mentioned you know lots of times throughout the show just based on the special effects and you know the pioneering special effects it really was um it really was uh this again not to overuse this word but this this pioneer for you know the special effects industry in hollywood going forward like this this was such a major influence yeah, um, and because of that, a lot of people have credited or blamed, whichever side you want to land on, of the use of CGI in big blockbusters on this film. Now, we should add that Terminator 2 did it a couple years earlier, but um, it didn't do it to the extent that Jurassic Park did. Uh, Jurassic Park had tons of CGI effects, whereas uh terminator 2 had them but not as many as you think a lot of what the terminator 2 did was with practical effects um whereas in jurassic park um they used a lot of of uh of cgi and 
it basically a lot of filmmakers saw that they could realize their kind of previously quote unquote previously impossible ideas they could make them happen um because you know in terminator 2 you're basically just doing one guy this right. movie is doing dinosaurs like you've never seen dinosaurs like this in any movie before before it was stop motion or or um or models or things like that or animation it was never like it never looked this good so from this point forward it was kind of a point of no return as far as like now we can't there's nothing we can't dream up that we can't figure out how to do with cgi mm, and with sky's the limit with varying results right like for for every jurassic park you got things like i don't know i'm trying to think of something like like mortal Kombat annihilation right oh. <laughs> where 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 some of the effects are just like holy crap that is awful so like nothing, you know I, let me just let me just say this that movie's awful but i have a soft spot for it because i i was taken to see it as like a seven eight year old or whatever that movie came out and I have I'm very fond of that experience. Movie sucks, <laughs> but it's one of those things where I can kind of just still pop it in and watch it and just laugh at it, you know? Totally. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you don't get uh, without Jurassic Park and it's uh, it's kind of foray into CGI. I don't think you get movies like, you know, Lord of the Rings, for example. Like I don't, you don't it, it, that kind of world building with with computers and, and and everything. You can't do that unless Jurassic Park did it first. Speaking of Lord of the Rings, uh, twenty years this month. Yep, I saw that. Yeah, twenty year, and I can't like this is one of those situations. And Harry like, Potter's twenty years. Too. Yeah, Harry Potter turned twenty last month, and uh, Lord of the Rings turns twenty this month, and it's like I I feel really old. <laughs> like, and then you want to feel really old. I just figured this out when I watched it a couple nights ago. Next year, Muppet Christmas Carol is 30. Oh, my God. It is. It totally is. Oh, my God. That makes me feel so old, dude. Yeah. 30 years. <laughs> We're old, dude. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's that's Jurassic Park. Um, any kind of final thoughts on this movie? Um, I mean, we pretty much said everything that needs to say about this movie. It's uh, iconic. It's uh, pioneering. It's awesome. Uh, it's, it's everything that goes into what makes a legendary blockbuster is in this movie. And, you know, it's such a major influence on all subsequent blockbusters, on even its own franchise, on other franchises. And I'm sure even on potential filmmakers. I'm sure a lot of filmmakers today you know, were influenced by movies like Jurassic Park, you know, to get into the business. So it, it leaves a lasting legacy. You know, the movie itself is great, which is a plus. You know, sometimes you don't always get that whole trifecta, but, you know, no matter what, it, it leaves behind an amazing legacy that is still felt to this day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you can't get much, much better than Jurassic Park as far as blockbusters go. Like I said, absolutely the perfect blockbuster probably in my opinion the like pound for pound the best blockbuster ever made like it has literally everything anyone could ask for exactly all right so um with that said uh you can watch jurassic park pretty much on any 
Uh, you can buy or rent it on pretty much any digital streaming service that you can buy or rent movies from. I don't believe, let me just double check if it's playing anywhere uh, that you can subscribe to. Uh, I mean, it's a universal movie, so maybe it's on Peacock, but let me check. All right. Uh, Jurassic Park. Oh, actually, you can watch it on HBO Max. So if you have HBO Max, you can watch Jurassic Park. Um, everywhere else, you can um, buy or rent it uh, in 4K. Uh, looks like the cheapest is $3.99, pretty much across the board on any uh, any platform. And $14.99, pretty much on any platform like Amazon, Apple, Voodoo, things like that. So right. uh, pretty accessible. Again, as always, we are proponents of physical media. I will always say buy the physical media. I have the Blu-ray, the Steelbook Blu-ray. Um, I don't know. I'm assuming it's on 4K by now, but I, I don't know. Um, but I just have a Blu-ray for now. And it's it's got a decent amount of bonus features on it. So um, I would I would recommend the Blu-ray. Yeah, I have I have all the Jurassic Park movies on steelbook format. Uh, so um, and I went out of my way to get those because I bought when I first bought them. I bought the original trilogy set that came out in that kind of that digipack, right? But I was like, you know what? This deserves a place on my steelbook show. So I actually went out and got them from overseas, and I made sure that all the covers match, even the newer ones like Jurassic World. And then the second Jurassic World movie, I make sure to get them so that they, because the way I have them, it's just the the logo, like like Jurassic Park or the Lost World Jurassic Park, you know. And when the set, what what's the second Jurassic World called? I don't even remember what it's called. Fallen anymore. Kingdom. Fallen when Fallen Kingdom came out, Best Buy here in America, United States, had the steelbook cover of like Chris Pratt and Blue. I'm like, oh, I don't want this because it's gonna. Because you know how I am with my OCD, it doesn't match my other Jurassic Park steelbooks. So I have to go again overseas to the UK and import a steelbook that just had the logo Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom on the cover. And that's it. So it can match my other ones. I mean, I get it. I, I get it. <laughs> Even when movies I don't like, if I have like the whole set, I have to like, they have to match. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I know you'd understand, but I know other people won't. It's just it's my OCD when it comes to my movies and my organizing. So, oh, speaking of, um, before I get to um, our next show, um, did you get anything in the uh, Barnes and Noble sale? What did I get? What did I get? I got. Uh, hold on. I can't believe I can't remember now. I I did buy a couple things. But uh, I did not get Uncut Gems, though. I wanted to get it, but I, I decided to put it on my Christmas list, so hopefully somebody got it for me. But uh, I, there were a couple titles that I did pick up. I think I actually went to the – no. No, I think I got them online because I couldn't go to the store. But you know what? Now it's escaping me. Exa- oh, I bought the, um, bought the Bruce Lee set. That's it. That's the only thing uh, I bought for the sale. I got myself Susan Kane. The 4K Citizen Kane. Did you have the issue with the disc? Um, no, I haven't had the issue with the disc, so it seems to be because okay. they're doing. Re- I don't know if you saw they're doing a recall on the 4K because something happened with it. Like, yeah, and it, I, I think it's the Blu-ray disc, not the 4K disc, though. Like the oh, Blu-ray the, disc. Yeah, you're right. It's the is the Blu-ray. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and I haven't. It's. I don't think there's an issue with it, so it, it seems to be okay. okay. Um, the and I got the 
because this is, I wait for sales like this to get like the big ones. I got the essential Fellini set. That's going to be the next one I get next year. Cause I got the Bergman set. I got the Godzilla set. And then my bucket list was Bruce Lee and Fellini. So I got the Bruce Lee with this sale and I had just missing the Fellini set. Yeah. And it's <laughs> my shelf where I put all like those big sets is running out of room. <laughs> I don't know if I can fit another thing up there now. So I'll have to figure something out if, if they ever come out with something else like that big. Right. I mean, from Barnes & Noble, I did get just that one. But I know from Amazon, because um, they price match during the sale. So They do, I, but yeah. I, but I like to give my business to Barnes & Noble because it's a brick and mortar. I like to go there and actually buy the stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but from... Uh, uh, Amazon, I did pick up the uh, company original Broadway album after Sondheim passed away. Oh, like, right. Oh, I got it. And I, because I've been to get it for like forever because company is my favorite musical ever. You know, so then when Sondheim passed away a couple weeks ago, I'm like, oh, I should get this finally. So I finally did. So I have yet to watch it, but I'm probably going to watch it during my break here. I have a lot of stuff to watch. <laughs> so. <laughs> Dude, I always have a lot of stuff to watch. The, I never get it. It's, I'm going to die with stuff I haven't watched. That, that's just going to happen. Oh, I, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen to me, too. <laughs> that's the, that, is the, that is the curse of the, of the movie collector. Um, all right. So as, as I mentioned before, we were recording this around Christmas time. Uh, we do have a Christmas episode we want to record. Um, now, we're going to try to record it before Christmas. It might not happen, uh, so it might get released after Christmas. But it, whatever, it, it's it'll still be this. You know, it'll still it'll still be a good episode regardless of you, whether you get it on Christmas or not. Um, so I did what I did was I did a poll on our Essential Films Facebook page uh, to see which Christmas movie we should we should discuss, and I gave everyone ten options. I'm going to give you the. Uh, I'm just going to go down the list of. Of what ranked so that and then until we get to number one, so everyone knows what what is the winner. In tenth place was Edward Scissorhands. Ninth was Home Alone. Eighth was Nightmare Before Christmas. Seventh was The Muppet Christmas Carol. Sixth was A Christmas Story. Fifth was Meet Me in St. Louis. Fourth was Remember the Night. Third was the 1951 Scrooge with Alistair Sim. Second, which I thought was going to win at one point because it was in the lead, was Die Hard. But in first place, the shop around the corner. Awesome. So that'll be our Christmas episode. Again, depending on when we record it, it might not drop on before Christmas, but I will try to get it out as soon as I can. Well, let's just say we'll get it out before 2022 arrives. How about that? That I can possibly, yes, yes, absolutely. And if for whatever reason you're listening to this in 2022, oops. Um, <laughs> But that'll be our next episode. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this one on Jurassic Park. Um, please uh, like, rate, and review this uh, episode on Apple Podcasts. Uh, please like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Essential Films. Um, Mark, would you like to have any plugs? Sure. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at SportsGuy515. I don't really post a lot of original tweets anymore. It's a lot of retweets. So... Not much to offer there. And there's also the uh, Force Respective Twitter at FP Movie Podcast. I think it'll be a January return for us because I know award season is starting to rev up and there's a few things I still have to catch up on. Um, but uh, I think we're going to 
bring the show back in January. I think it's just make it easier. This week. We've got two weeks left in the year, a lot of stuff going around, especially you know with our families. We've got the holidays coming up. So I think January, early January would be a good time to bring the show back. Right, and we can so talk about my that. favorite movie of the year, Paw Patrol the movie. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see about that. <laughs> Which I saw. Um, <laughs> cool. So yeah, be on the lookout for that. Hopefully, we'll we'll uh, we'll come back in January. That'll be fun. Uh, we'll talk some modern day current movies. Um, yeah. So I think that unless there's anything else, um, we're gonna just wrap it up there. Uh, any last words? Uh, we spared no expense on this show. <laughs> no expense. All right, everybody. Um, have a if we don't talk to you before Christmas, which we hope we will, have a safe holiday. Otherwise, be sure to always buy physical media. Mm-hmm.